Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. to the Nameless Podcast. This is Alicia. And this is here. And we are here with episode seven, which is a part two episode of Beyond Eroli. Yes, yes, we are back. Well, how you doing? How you feeling first, sis? I'm good. Tired. Long day. How are you? I'm good. Tired. Long day, too. It's Sunday, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. Relaxing. Yeah. I gotta go to work, so. Well, I mean, I feel like you're always working every yeah. day of your life. Quite frankly. I do, yeah. Tomorrow's Monday. <laughs> Jesus. But anyways, you want to drop the socials real quick. Yeah, y'all can follow us on Facebook at Official Nameless Podcast and on Instagram at Nameless underscore podcast underscore. All right. That's what's up. And I think we actually are now, officially. Are, are we at 100 on Instagram? I don't know. Remember, people keep following and unfollowing us because... I think we're at 101 at this point in time. I mean, look, I'm looking right is Yeah, we are at 101. So who was our hundredth? I don't know. Got to figure that out. Got to figure that out. So we'll figure that out. But yeah, thank you for all of our followers and listeners. And definitely go ahead and check out um, part one of this episode with Beyondy on our YouTube channel. Yes. Uh, the Nameless Podcast. Uh, you do have some views on there. You might be posting 
um, some other extra content, but today's episode will be on there as well. All right, well, we do have Biondi on the phone with us. How y'all doing? What's up, bro? How you doing today? I'm good. Just making it another day. How how was your Sunday so far? How was your weekend? It was cool. I went to work, got off work, and happy I don't have to go back to tomorrow. Thinking about sleeping in tomorrow. As you should. Okay. Hey, I wish I could do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot. But no, um, yeah, this episode is basically part two of um, when we previously spoke with you. Uh, when was at the beginning of December, so we are now towards the middle of February. Um, yeah, so we just wanted to get some more updates on what's been going on with you and um, kind of carry on the conversation about um, some of the topics we brought up in last episode. So I know we've been communicating back and forth to get this episode set up, and you did say your mom came and visited you a while ago. How was that? Yeah, moms came out here about a month ago. So, you know, that's always good to be able to see my mom and, you know, hug her. I only can imagine what she go through as far as, like, having a son this far away from home. You know, not be able to just hug them when they want to. So, now, it's always far? good to see my mom. How far are you from your mom? Uh, well, my mom, I'm originally from Alabama, so East Alabama at that, so... You know, as driving is probably about 16, 18 hours, something like that. Yeah. So she actually has to fly out here. Oh, your mama look. <laughs> I mean, I make that so, too, right? So, you know, that's a, a journey. But, you know, a mother is worth, you know, she, she gonna make that trip for a child. So I love it anytime I can see her. Seen want to have like a friendly face and your mom there just to talk to for even the short amount of time that you had with her. I mean, you know, it gives me an escape from being here, so don't get to catch up on everything. Sometimes I ask about the fam, you know, things going on in the neighborhood or whatever. You know, just give me like a a visual visualization of you know back home versus looking at these walls every day. A little bit of normal, normal life, normal scene. Yeah, always. Hate when visit over with. Well, hopefully she can come back soon and get to see her again. But have you had any visits from your, your lawyer? Do you have any updates on what's going on with your case? Uh, I, my mom... I just talked to her over the weekend, so he was in court Friday, but the last time I talked to him, he was supposed to meet up with my co-defendant, Aaron, because he got out almost like the first quarter of last year, so, you know, they, he trying to give him time enough to get acclimated with him getting out, getting himself together. You know, he don't really want to make him feel like he's being rushed or anything. So, kind of like trading lightly, but he's supposed to be scheduling a meeting with him so he can get an affidavit from him as 
far as, you know, giving the statement of, you know, that I didn't do the murder and it pretty much helping out with the case. I hope they get that meeting soon for you because I know it's been a, a while that you've been waiting for someone to speak with them, you know? So, but other than that, you know, it's just trying to piece the case together and make sure they send a good appeal in because you basically, in Texas, you had like one shot at this, so... Yeah, that's but I feel a, like my situation is a little different since I have someone stating that I wasn't the one that pulled the trigger. So I'm expecting a favorable decision when we do get to that point. Right, so say you get this whole appeal together and it gets denied or like the judge doesn't allow it to go to a retrial. Like, is that it? Like, do you have any other options to file to like get your conviction overturned at this point probably not so this is like because they they, they they create these rules so when you have a trial in Texas other states may be different but in Texas let's say you go to trial you lose your trial and they give you like one year to file in the state courts and the federal courts so you know, most people don't have the money for a regular attorney to fight your case from the get-go. So you, you left, your family either live scrambling to find an appeal attorney that's affordable, which is never the case. Because the cheapest appeal attorney, that's like buying a, a brand new Kia. You know, they starting off at like 15000 So, you know, you basically have a year less than a year you have about six months to learn law try to file your own appeal and you know try to do for yourself before that time is exceeded so but being that I've been locked up so long you know that you know that's obviously been reached but you know they have like you could say back doors so newly discovered evidence is one of them so if evidence or case in point my co-defendant you know speaking up on my behalf when he didn't do it at trial now he's doing it so it's like that falls up on the newly discovered evidence so we could bring that into the court that's that's what's opening the door for me to be able to file another appeal so when you do that then he can basically tie in other mistakes that they made and other objections that you know he sees that happened within my trial. He could bring it up and weave it into newly discovered evidence. So that's what, you know, that's my situation right now. Well, I hope that works out for you. 100%. You deserve that. Yeah, and but it's just crazy to me that this is like like for it all. Like if 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 the judge decides that no, they don't care that Aaron is gonna like say, say that anything. it wasn't Beyondy, then it's like you haven't. It's just it's that's just that's it. crazy to me that that that's just it. After that, like you have when you go to like the Supreme Court, like is there a whole process? Like I don't know, is Texas a Commonwealth state? I don't think so. I think well, you can go to the Supreme Court, but I'm not sure as far as the procedures to 
to uh, submit anything to the Supreme Court. I haven't met anybody that sent anything to the Supreme Court myself. But they do have Supreme Court cases, obviously, because I think most times you hear about someone taking their case to the Supreme Court, they're dealing with like a death penalty case. So they're trying to exceed all their, use up all their uh, remedies and, you know, every option they have. I mean, and I don't want to sound like messed up because this is your life, but like your sentence is quite frankly, I feel equivalent to a death penalty because you're like your sentence is life. Like if you, they're not, that's it. That's it. Sucks. So I feel like right. I feel like if that should be added into the equation too, like at least like I think we talked about this in the last episode, at least like reevaluate the sentence. If right. you don't want to have like a whole new trial, like is that an option instead of like just Over trying sentencing. to overturn your charges and your conviction? Is it is there like a, just like a resentencing retrial? Is that an option? Okay, well, once they submit the appeal which they should accept it. So let's say when they accept it, we're going to speak positive because positive thoughts bring positive energy. Amen. So, so when they do accept it and, you know, rule in my favor, then there's a possibility of a retrial, which I'm pretty sure they don't want to go through again because trials cost a lot of money. And then I've been locked up about 16, well, actually 16 years made it on a, uh, February 3rd 16 years so you know since I've been locked up so long you know I have like let's say leverage to kind of negotiate maybe depending on who's the, the DA at the time because I always play the factor because they trying to make names for themselves and if it's an election year or you know it's different variables but you know I, I don't want to go to trial again either because that's stressful. You know, I, I used to have pretty decent hair until I went to trial. Yeah, I so. talked about that last episode, too. <laughs> about the hair. Get a little gray on so, top there. Get a little gray. So, you know, but I, I personally don't want to go to trial again, but I will if I have to because, you know, this ain't it. But uh, right now in Texas, if you have an aggravated sentence, which I do for murder case, if they offer me, you know, anything under 30 years, I'm willing to take it because I automatically be a full parole. So, you know, at the same time, you know, people might say, well, if you didn't do it, why would you just take a plea out to it? Because it's, everything is political. They don't want to look bad by going back and saying, well, we messed up, we locked the dude up, he didn't even do the murder, you know, so we're going to let him out. They don't want bad publicity. So you have to understand that when you're dealing with the courts. Because nobody want to be up in front of a news camera or in a newspaper saying, well, we messed up. He's been locked up 16, 17 years, and now we got to, you know, make things right. So it's basically trying to find a common ground if they're willing to do that. So I would be willing to work with them because, you know, I don't really have time to be playing with my life or rolling the dice with my life going to trial again. It takes a lot of time to, it could be like a year or so until you even get put 
on a docket to right. go to trial. Scheduled or anything. And it's just like it. It's like that. That must be like a tough decision for you to make if you have to make that decision. Like, because you know you are not guilty of this. So it's like it's. But you were gonna have to like say it, even though up until this point you still have maintained your innocence during this whole entire thing. But if you are brought like with this option and it's the only option you have, that's like a tough decision to have to make. And I can only imagine your thought process, like having to say, well, I didn't do it, but to live my life and get out of jail, I have to say I did. Yeah. And you might hear it with like the conviction rates are like, super high it's like 90 some percent in the feds and close to that in most state prisons because you know you take most people most people that's locked up aren't rich obviously so it's lower income people you know people in just regular lives so when you get locked up most people don't have bond money most people don't have money laying around to have a good lawyer you know who would basically do like the rich people do you hear about them all the time. So-and-so caught a case, Kodak Black caught a case with guns, drugs, and next thing you know, his case was dismissed or just crazy stuff like that. Because they have the money for lawyers, and when they pay these high-priced lawyers, they break off the DA some money. Hey, I need you to sweep this one up under the rug. These type of conversations and meetings do happen. Whether they want to admit it or not. But they do happen. You know, so it's like most people don't have that money. So if you don't have that money and they talking about, well, we're going to end up giving you 20 years if you don't take this five years. So people are pretty much pushed and backed into a corner of like, damn, do I have to, I'm going to spend the next possible 10 to 20 years in prison or I could go ahead and flee out, pop out to this fire. And most people do that because they see themselves coming home within that time. So those are just some of the tricks and, you know, games criminal justice system play with people's lives. And I do just want to kind of talk about what you just mentioned there, that a majority of people, um, sadly, that are in jails are like lower income, um, like some sometimes lower education as well right um and that just brings about the concept of like the prison the school to prison pipeline i'm not sure if you're like aware of what that is but it's basically like america has a problem with putting people in jail and basically setting up the same demographic of people um most likely minorities in inner city schools um for like Mm -hmm creating a hostile environment in their learning environment that creates something that is equivalent to being in jail at school and then it just shows them or they learn the mentality of it i don't know and then it likely the likelihood of them going to jail increases Mm -hmm. because they just want to put people in in jails and right they already had that mentality so like why not just continue if i'm in school going to jail quote unquote i'm out on the streets doing the same thing you know what i mean yeah, and a lot of the things that they're saying that, like, influences the school-to-prison pipeline is, like, disciplinary alternative schools. So, like, that's if you get in trouble at school, you, like, you're not going to be helped. Like, you're going to be sent to another school that is, like, 
even worse than where you're at right now. Schools, they don't care. Right. People are kids are sent to alternative schools because they don't want to be dealt with in an actual public school or actual like setting. They just get sent to teachers or it's literally if you go to an alternative school because I had a friend that went to one until she graduated. She literally said it was her and she was in like 11th, 12th grade and 8th graders in her class. Yeah seventh graders like it's literally they throw all these kids into one place and they expect them to learn all the same things but they're all at different levels of their life like yeah and it but it's also like some of them some of the kids just need additional help right but they're, they they they're acting out but the school is like policing them as like yes. bad they're, kids they're, they're because criminals. they just need some additional help within the school system right. and like that even brings about like metal detectors in schools like obviously nowadays you yeah. need that because of what goes on the in some schools the police presence in schools that just like going to school every day you're seeing a cop there I never had that i we and thankfully like we yes we did have a police officer at our school like every now and then right. but like we didn't have to go through metal detectors and stuff like that but but they're Philadelphia. That's how what I was far, gonna how say. How far is that from us? Forty-five minutes. That's what I was like, gonna say. Yeah. Philadelphia is so close to us, and they have kids that go to school, and they don't even learn in classes. Like teachers don't even know what to do with these kids half the time. Exactly, and but that's we have to think about where we grew up. Exactly. This is we're rural yes. Pennsylvania, and that's inner cities Pennsylvania. Right. And it's sad though. So beyond, did you experience any of that in your school? Like high police presence during classes, like. Teachers, fights, fights, any anything that could possibly attribute to the prison, the school to prison pipeline um, idea. I mean, uh, different regions have different problems. Like if you take where I'm from in Alabama, we don't have major gang problems. But if you take a inner city LA school like Crenshaw High School, where you have different neighborhoods and gangs, like so the the environment is totally different but you know just from my opinion you know it's, it's more or less resources for kids because if you don't have enough teachers that means you have overcrowding in the classrooms when you have overcrowding in the classrooms teachers get frustrated I gotta keep up with all these kids and somebody's gonna get left behind versus you know that's why people send their kids to private schools because the classrooms are smaller they might have 15 kids in their class versus 35 you know so that plays a part in it you know and extracurricular activities people parents work and kids need rides they just need help like when i was coming up i was blessed enough to have coaches that were understanding like i don't have a ride coach my mom don't get off work till 5 5 30. don't worry about it i'm gonna come get you you know, it's like uh, it takes a village to raise a child almost. So, you know, I grew up during that era when there were other people who were willing to help out with other people. You just couldn't do anything because you might get in trouble over here, get an ass whooping, and then when you get home, you got to answer to some more stuff for the same situation. So, you know, I, I personally was, was blessed enough to have people in my life but. A lot of times it's kids without structure, without anything to do. If they don't have anything to do, they're going to go hug the block. And after that, they're just going to start learning what's going on in the streets, what's going on in these rap songs, 
and you know they think that's reality when it's not yeah because that 100 percent. like if a kid doesn't have anything constructive going on in their environment whether it be at home and then if they don't get it at home they're not getting it at school they're not getting it anywhere they're going to turn to people that they may think are for them and doing things that they may think are for them as well but are not on their best pass yes and it all just boils down to your home and then the school and then you know most places you know we grew up where i grew up you know i grew up in the hood so the most successful people in the hood is who the drug dealers the robbers people who get money but they don't tell you the consequences of what they're doing. They just see the nice cars. Oh, he got a nice house. And he got a business over there. But everybody know he sell dope. But it's, you know, kids think like, oh, I want that car. That's what I want to be when I grow up. And it's easy to do. So, you know, we got to have better role models too. And kids got to be exposed to things because if they never get outside of the neighborhood, and go see, you know, well, I can be a computer programmer or I could go be this, that, and the third. If they're not exposed to it, they'll never know. But if they just continue to see what's going on in the hood, well, I got to go work at uh, the the local factory or I got to go work at uh, the gas station. They think that's their world. They don't, they can't wrap their mind around being party promoters or rubbing shoulders with celebrities just doing different things. Black people, all we know, I got to play basketball, I got to play football, or be a rapper to make it out the hood. Okay. That just leads me so. to the uh, the war on drugs. I think you mentioned this the last episode too, how the, how Nixon declaring the war on drugs and it like basically like destroyed many, well, future generations of minorities, especially black people in inner cities of even having like father figures in their lives so like what are your thoughts on that as far as like a generational issue is concerned and leading to the contribution of increasing the population of jails like that's another question after this but like (laughs) i want to get your thoughts on that you know i mean does the government play a part in it too because for them to fill these prisons up they got a lot of people up so they had a so-called war on drugs, but it really was a war on black people, war on minority and poor people. You know, so they claimed that they were trying to get the drugs out the way, but drugs been around for since forever. You can't stop it. You're not going to stop it. And they still haven't stopped it. So it's like uh, they have what you call a prison industrial complex. So what it is, is if you want to find out anything, you got to follow the money. And within the prison industrial complexes, you know, is private entities. They profit off locking people up. They don't have to disclose how they spend their money. And it's very little oversight to like govern them. So take an example, like the pay phones that we use here, like, the phone calls used to call y'all, those are like six cents per minute. And that's just, that's cheap. That's cheap. So a whole call, 20 minute call, 30 minute call, I mean, like a dollar eighty. 
oh, if I need to take care X amount of business a day, I got to spend $5 if I really need to be on the phone like that. But at one time, they was like 4 or $5 a call for 20 minutes. And this is still going on. People filing lawsuits because they basically take advantage of people in prison by overcharging us for services that we basically need. Like the commissary, they can mark up prices on the commissary and we have no say-so. So for a normal pack of noodles, I remember you go get a whole case of noodles for like $2. Noodles and noodles. You know, and they charging us like, it's getting to the point where it's about to be a dollar for one pack of noodles. And in some places, it is already that. But so they making money. You got private prisons. People don't know about. Yeah. Like who, who, they're taking uh. Magic, doesn't hmm? Magic Johnson own prisons? Or Michael Michael Jordan? Oh. Michael Jordan, yes. I wouldn't put it past him. He definitely did. <laughs> he, he or he owns a few uh, prisons. Um, I'm not sure where they're at, but I'm pretty sure he, he definitely owes. I know a couple companies that are profiting off these uh, prison industrial complexes is McDonald's, Walmart, Starbucks, Grant, Verizon, Victoria's Secret, JCPenney. Like they do certain, they make certain deals with different states and they'll produce whatever these people need to make their product at a cheaper price. And that prison system gets their cut these companies they get whatever product they want for a fraction of the price and they don't have to go overseas to Vietnam or China and get their products made you know they could just get these prisoners to do it here in Texas we work we don't get paid we have a factory here on the unit they make uh, the shoes the crops they make crops and these guys don't get paid out there they're making money selling Crocs, but these guys don't make a penny off of it. That's crazy to me, too, because Crocs are so expensive. I have Crocs on my feet right now. Do you? That, do we boycott Crocs <laughs> I now? wear Crocs. <laughs> I, respectfully, Crocs are like my number one shoe that I wear. Like, they're, it's just so easy to just slide on. But I did not know that where you are at, people are making Crocs and they for free. And if you don't meet your quota, your ass getting the case that day. You getting rolled up. You getting the case. Whoa! Wait! Wait! What? A For disciplinary real? case. Yeah. Okay. This. This is something. Cause okay. Hold on. Have you? Do you know what the Thirteenth Amendment is? Like, I I wanted to watch the movie. Uh, it had something to do with like legalized slavery. Thank you. Yes. It's the, okay. So great. So you. Okay. Yeah. So the Thirteenth Amendment it basically abolished slavery, but it made slavery legal if you were convicted of a crime. Yes. So that is you're literally it's, it's, equivalent. it's equivalent to slavery at this point in time. It is slavery. These dudes on some unit, like I'm on a unit. We out here in like West Texas, so it ain't nothing but. Uh, flat ground and uh, dirt. They don't have real fertile sand. I mean, fertile soil, but like down by Houston and those units, 
in like Southern Texas, them dudes are out there in the fields for like eight hours a day, digging ditches, clearing out land. Like it might be 50 acres of tall three foot grass out there. At the end of that day, that shit gonna look like your front yard. And they not doing it with lawnmowers. They doing it with Aggies and pick axes. They doing it by hand. They out there picking cotton. I told my mom I better not ever in life pick cotton for nobody. And if you don't, if you don't uh, do these jobs, they'll light you up, put you through disciplinary, you end up in medium custody. And if you and if you continue to uh, tell them people that you're not gonna work, they'll end up locking you up. You'll find yourself in high security somewhere, a 23-hour lockdown. So not wanting to work. So they they gonna basically make you work. I'm just blessed enough to have a, a pretty decent job where I can benefit off what I do. And what what is your job? I'm a cook. I'm a dietitian cook. You chefing it up? I whipping in the kitchen. Sure, you know. <laughs> that must be like very therapeutic though to be able to cook while you're in there. And you know. Yeah, I get to cook my own food. Right. So I don't have to worry about if somebody washed their hands while they before they cook my food. Right. Right. No, I me. <laughs> no, I just I can't. That that doesn't. Like my mind is just blown right now because I obviously knew that I just didn't know that like if you refused to do something, they could charge you for that. Like I, that's just mind blowing to me. I mean, you won't get charged with a crime, but like in prisons, you have disciplinary cases, so they got a case for any and everything. So I probably get a I get a case for failure to work, failure to obey a direct order. They could find anything to write you up for, 100%. I, I know that from from experience. They will find anything to write you up for. Like you if you make the wrong officer mad, right. they could just write you a disciplinary case of anything. They can write you a disciplinary case for coming out of, like, your cell without your jumper fully on. Like, yeah. they can do anything, anything that they think of. Like, yes. Contraband, anything is contraband. If you have more than two blankets, it's contraband. You can only have one. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They can write you a case for that. Yes, they can. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, it just depends on what officer you run into. Like when, like we get to the point at five thirty in the evening, that shift changed. But when shift is changing, everybody's looking at the door trying to see who's coming in. So. We pretty much know all the officers. So certain officers do sell searches. Some officers don't. You got some officers, they real sneaky. So they might want to act like they're not doing sales searches. And they'll try to, you know, come up in your room when you least expect it, thinking they're going to come up on something. But, you know, it's almost like a scouting report. You know, we own to you already. That's actually, I want to get uh, ask you a question about that. Like, how is it with the COs and stuff? Like, are they are they hostile towards you? Like, do they know your story personally? Uh, some of them do. Most most of the ones I actually work with on a day to day basis, some of them know. Uh, 
And it's a handful of officers that work population that know but I've been here a minute, so a lot of them recognize me from work because they'll see me in the office dining room. But, you know, you have hostile officers. You got females that come in here, like, which is crazy to me. You know, why you would want to come to a maximum security male prison and talk crazy to men? But some of them do it, thinking they can't be touched. You got some people don't care who they put their hands on. You know, most of us have a conscience, so like most of us would like stop that from happening. But I done seen females get beat down like they were men, all because they came to work with their problem, trying to take it out on us. You know, but for the most part, my experiences with officers they they treat me they treat me pretty decent. Because you know, sometimes you see some stuff where it's the complete opposite. I feel like if you give the officer respect, the officer gonna respect you. But at the end of the day, the officers need to come in with the respect first. Because then, if you coming into anyone's unit, like, oh no, nah, I run this because y'all are in prison. No, they're not gonna respect anything that you guys say. I'll say, Sarah, you can 100% speak on that because you, you've been on that side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. If you give them that, and that's the thing, like, I always went into work every single time when I went into that prison, like, you guys are still humans. You guys do still have feelings. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you might have, something might have happened for you to end up here. But at the end of the day, like, everyone has a story. Everyone still has, like, we are human. Like I said, like, I can't come in there being, an, excuse my language, an asshole just because I'm going through something. I get to leave at the end of the day. Like, you guys right. don't, unfortunately. So it's like, granted, I come there every day, but I have to be the one to make that decision on. Is my day gonna be good? Is my unit gonna be rowdy? Are they gonna wanna fight? Are they like, like, I'm the one that makes that determination for everything when I walk in. It's all there. based exactly. off of your attitude. Exactly. If I come in there with, a, right. with an attitude, that whole that whole block about to be like, all right, why? Why she got an attitude? All right, we about to mess with her the whole night. Like, no. Like, yeah. Did you, did you get Because they, they don't have nothing else to do. Right. <laughs> like, what? See? Did you get training on that? Like, when you um, first started? We didn't get training on it. It's just, we took classes. Like, they gave us courses. Um, it was like an empathy course, like a sympathy course. Um, how to basically determine, like, yeah, like I said, they come in. They might come in off of drugs drunk like stuff right. like that so it takes them like 40 everyone that comes in and they are under the influence they go in suicide watch immediately so they level two immediately right. but it takes some people to get used to even being there so like being a ceo that's just all right what happened like you can talk to me but i can't tell you any information but if you need someone to talk to i'm there to listen they had we had classes on that like so amazing yeah so it's just a matter of you give the respect, you're going to get that respect, 100%. Well, that kind of goes into something that Beyondi wanted to talk about today, about, like, your interactions that you had with the police officers, the detectives. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that the CO aspect, like, you do get that empathy training and you get that, like, hu human um, outlook, like, people yeah, made wrong decisions possibly yeah. and they're, they're in jail now. But, like... The, the police side, the actual okay. detective side, that, like, is the first contact with law enforcement. They don't care. It, I feel like it's lacking. So, Biondi, what are your thoughts on that? Because you've obviously experienced that firsthand, and do you think it needs to change as far as, like, training for police officers? Police officers need more training, but I feel like you have to... You can't just put 
the police that don't know anything about the hood or haven't been around black people. You can't put him to police the hood. And you can't just put a black police officer in, you know, a nice neighborhood and just expect him to understand the environment. You know, a lot of white people think black people are being aggressive, but some of us just talk loud. We're not being aggressive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm you know they take okay? that as it's passion. Yeah. So, you know, I force my raise, but we don't mean no harm. You just trying to get a point across, <laughs> and that's it. And if and if you like watch videos, we hostile because you messed up. We just trying to ask you what you know. what I'm saying, officer, what I do? Well, I don't have to answer your question. Yes, you do. Why are you bothering me? You know what I'm saying. But it's you know it's, it's learning. They need to learn how to interact with people because if you coach if. You go to the hood and you see some weed. It ain't. That. Look, you don't pull the hair this bag of weed, so I'm gonna throw this out. Why you gotta take a person to jail? You know, and those people, you you impart good energy. So, you know, your name is gonna travel. Say, man, that officer right there. Y'all let him make it. He let me make it one day. I had some weed out there to the wrong. He just made me throw it out. You know, just. You got to know how to police things. You can't be aggressive or want to take everybody to jail. Then when you, when a serious situation do happen, let's say a murder or a robbery, something serious go on, now you have no resources in the neighborhood because, you know, you're known to lock people up. Nobody wants to talk to you. So now you have this, this line, this barrier between police officers and citizens. So how are you going to keep our neighborhood safe, but you don't even understand the neighborhood that you police? And then as far as like the detectives, you know, they use all type of tactics. Like in my case, detectives, they act like I volunteer to just go to homicide. Who wants to volunteer to go to jail or to be interviewed about a murder? And I'm here to tell you that it's nobody. So it's like, we got to understand our rights as citizens also in that aspect. If police gonna take you to jail, there's nothing you can say. There's absolutely nothing you can say at that moment for them not to take you to jail. Whether you did it or you didn't do it. If you didn't do anything, your, your questions need to be, uh, can I call my lawyer? When they ask you, do you have any statements? Is no. We don't have nothing to talk about without your lawyer being present. That's why when you read your right, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. But we just think that's the little script. They actually use that against you. Right. But most police will tell you, you know, you need to tell me, let me know what's going on. I'm trying to help you. Police can't help you. He's either gonna take you to jail or he not. And going back to the Miranda rights real quick, I think they like made it legal in some states that police officers now do not have to read you your Miranda rights. They do not have to tell you that anymore. Like that you don't have to ask if you want to talk. Like, do you want to speak with me? Yes or no? No, I'm pretty sure you could just get arrested, and they like don't have to tell you anything. Don't have to read your Miranda rights. Nothing like that. It's like an implied thing nowadays, apparently in certain states. So like, how would that be implied if you never? 
just automatically know. Like, I'm pretty sure it's a thing. That's That's insane to me because you you shouldn't, like, like you said, Yandi, like, people think that that's just something cops say because you've seen it in TV shows and movies, but, like, no, legitimately, they're telling you, you don't have to talk to us. You should probably stay quiet. You shouldn't talk to us. Even if you didn't do the crime, like, these people will try to piece together a crime and make make it seem like you did it and go into a courtroom and try to convince the jury like they know what they're talking about right. you know and, and know good and well that you innocent as hell but they don't care and a lot of times you might say something you don't know anything about the case but something you said was enough to where they could weave this thing together to make it sound good and get a conviction the officers do and the detectives they just take to the DA what they feel like you should be charged with. And then once that's out of their hands, they don't do anything. But maybe testify in court. Like, that's the most that they do after that, once they get you to even speak. <laughs> and they get in court and lie. Like, one of them was telling me that well, I'm gonna make sure they kill you. You know, not gonna see your family again. They was basically trying to do good cop, bad cop. But once they got in court, they was like, well, we... They had me, and they had me doing inter- interrogations for like uh, over twelve hours. I think over twelve hours. Like no. But uh, they tried to make it seem like uh, I was voluntarily there. So my my attorney asked during trial, like, okay, y'all did y'all put him in the back of a police car or, or a regular vehicle? But it was like a police car. Okay, could he unlock the back door by himself? No. <laughs> it's like, how so how am there volunteer? But they'll get up there, well, we asked him, did he want something to eat? Y'all offer me a bag of peanuts. I don't want no peanuts. I'm scared to death, ready to go home. But, you know, this these are things that we normal people don't know. And then once you're in that situation, know take the wrong steps trying to help yourself so-called and next thing you know you you dug yourself in a hole that you can't get out of i think that's that's it's definitely needed criminal justice education like knowing that should be like a class you should be taught at a very young age took one in high school you did criminal justice yeah we went to the prison that's what wealthy people do Wealthy people teach their kids this. They teach them financial literacy and what to do when you get in trouble. That is true. Because it, it leads to like, I don't know. Like if you if you knew that, I mean, listen, I ain't trying to expose myself, but I've been running with the log a few times and I should have definitely kept my <laughs> mouth uh, quiet. Um but yeah, if I didn't say anything, I mean, I wouldn't have nothing would have happened because they couldn't have proved anything at that point. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be truthful. I'm gonna tell yes, officer, yes. Well, you dumb. There's truth. The truth will set you free. That's all she thought. I thought, but yeah, no, that's the thing. I didn't know. Like we weren't ever taught that. Like just. 
I mean, also, you've had some run-ins too, Sierra. No, yes. Don't act all Miss Innocent over here. I, I saw me too, same, yes. I but did. your situation was people told were told on you. Right. So, people. Right. I mean, the, the first time, yes. The second time, I just, just let it free too. I just, I mean, you came to get me the second time, so. Wait, what? When, when at the DUI. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Dang, you're putting yourself on blast me. real quick. But yeah. but yeah. Like me, I basically admitted of being at the scene, which was enough for them to, okay, that's enough to lock him up on. Right, right. And then we'll just try to figure it out later on. But just something simple as that. Like if I had to just sat there and didn't say nothing, let me talk to my lawyer. Well, we'll call your lawyer for you. Uh, just talk to us. That's why they try to talk to you before a lawyer get there, because the lawyer is not gonna let you say anything crazy, right. because you're gonna talk through him basically. Like before you answer, y'all gonna huddle up. He gonna tell you, no, nah, don't say, no, nah, don't say that. Matter of fact, don't say nothing. Yeah, and they gonna be like, well, what, what evidence do you have on my client? They probably not gonna have anything because if they had some, they wouldn't be asking you any questions. So you were on the same train. Truth set you free. Yeah, I was there, but I didn't do it. You know, it was the right. same type of thing because you were just being truthful and honest. And then they just decided to pin you with all of this. It's just crazy. So, it's, a, it's a complex universe dealing with police and court. I just caution everybody. If you're doing something you ain't got no business doing, please stop. Please stop. Because you could be like wrong place, wrong time, and your whole life changes. Overnight. One decision can change your life for decades. Well, I do just kind of want to switch it up a little bit on a lighter note. Like, what are your goals of, like, when you get out? Like, what do you want to do with your life? What does Beyondy want to be when he gets out? Because we're doing that positivity. I want to put on, some, put on some running shoes and chase a bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I aspire to be in transport business. I've been, uh, Read books as far as dealing with transportation on the freight and freight brokerage. So I like to one day own at least about three to five 18 wheelers and box trucks and pick up trucks to do hot shot hauling. Because uh, I, I asked myself, I was like, what can I do when I get out of prison to make enough money to support me? and a family so you know I had to think about we got the internet age so whatever goes on the internet is there forever so if someone look up my record or just google my they simply google my name they're gonna be like oh my god he just killed somebody so I have to think about things so how can I go into business for myself so and then I have I have a couple friends who I have one friend who got out of prison and, you know, he did the same thing. So he owned about five trucks now and he's living pretty good. So I have the infrastructure there to show me how to do it once I get home. 
And you know, it's also a recession-proof job, it's a recession-proof career. Because when everything was locked down during the pandemic, somebody had to deliver all those tissue rolls and uh, sanitizer, right. yeah. masks. Somebody got to drop it off. See, I love that because I feel, and I say all the time, that if you can actually visualize something that you want to achieve and have like a plan and have your, you can picture yourself doing it, I think it's because it's already happened, but it just hasn't happened yet. So that is a great goal to have, and I can't wait for you to get out and to achieve that, bro, 100%. And then... Question, question number two. I'm just going to run down quick questions real quick. What What's your first meal when you get out? Because I was talking to you, and I told you BC I went to go get some sushi with some with the fam, and you never had some sushi before. So what's your – you want some sushi? You want some – what do you want? What do you want? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going I'm to take a rain check on the sushi at first. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to get to that down the line. <laughs> but – uh. No, I keep it real simple. I I won't probably you know a large pizza started off with big probably the soul food. Yes. Big glass of sweet tea. <laughs> right, I bet that sweet tea down in Texas is nothing sweet. to play with. <laughs> yeah, that's why they call it sweet tea. <laughs> well, that's and then um I don't know, like what else do you want to do like when you get out like what was the first stop you're going to make when when you get out if i could if i could plan it and it go according to plan i like to like surprise my mom yeah like just don't tell her you're getting out at all yeah call her like i'm still locked up and then just you know ring the doorbell she pop up in there and see me go crazy <laughs> she'd probably fall right. out real quick <laughs> yeah I gotta gotta think about it I don't want my mama have no heart attack me <laughs> make sure she don't faint now you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a not a difficult person I'm simple I just wanna get out and enjoy my life do the simple thing I don't have to be rich, but I, I want to enjoy myself, though. You deserve it. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. That's what I'm saying. If you can picture it, you got the thoughts and ideas, that means it's going to happen, bro. And we definitely want to get another updated episode in when you have some more information on your lawyer. Talking to Aaron for a fact, because I want to know what's going, on. what's going on with that. And hopefully you can get an update yourself even that sometime mm-hmm. soon. Okay, as soon as I do, I'll let y'all know. I bet you you will. I bet you will. (laughs) Yeah, last thoughts on what we just talked about from from anything to you getting out, to your case, to the concepts you talked about, the prison industrial complex, like anything you think needs to be changed or your final thoughts on all that? Uh, The length people are held on on crime and like in, in some countries, the life sentence is 10 years. Some countries, it's 20 years. But over here, they literally take you out for life. It becomes a point to where, you know, kind of overdoing it. I've never been to prison. 
my first time in prison and y'all want to put me here for the rest of my life. You know, it's like overdoing it. And then, you know, some people deserve to be here. I, I most definitely agree with that. But it's like just being a child. Like, if you put a child in the corner for 30 minutes, you know, they, you know that's discipline. Maybe an hour. But imagine putting a child in the corner for 10 hours. Somebody's going to say, you're overdoing it. Because, you know, what are they going to learn? For 30 minutes, you know, they even took away their playtime. They understand. You explain to them, you know, okay, well, I messed up. But after 10 hours, at some point, they just not going to care. I'd have been in the corner so long, I'm used to it. And I think some people do get used to coming to jail and prison. So I would say, you know, more prison reform as far as, like, you know, cutting down on some of these sentences. You know, give, give somebody another chance to do right. A lot of people committed crimes when they were young, and they don't think that more, think that way anymore. So, you know, you know, people grow and do better. But if you lock them up forever, you don't even give them a chance to do better again. To like prove or if you lock somebody and hold them for 25, 30 years, what is he going to do when he get out? You know, they might not have family. They might not have any resources when they get out. After 25 or 30 years, okay, now yeah, I have to go rob somebody because I don't have no family to help me financially. If I do get a job, I got to wait two weeks to get paid. So I still got to live. I still got to eat. I'm still putting people in compromising positions. I think that that might be the, the number one thing. I agree with 100%. It needs to be changes in sentencing. What are your thoughts here? I feel like if you do it and you're young, I feel like maybe give them five years after that five years sentencing, see if they've changed. What classes have they done in prison? Did they, like, say they didn't graduate high school? Did they get their GED when they were in prison? Like, things like that. But I've always said it, even working in the prison, like, there are things that to happen like there needs to be more resources for the people that do get out there's people that are in prison they don't know how to work in a society there's people that have been there their whole life put them out on the outside they're not going to know what to do they don't know how to go to a bank they don't know how to go grocery shopping for themselves like they don't know anything because they don't ever get acclimated with that they're, they just know what they knew from when they got put in there that could be years ago you know so at, at the end of the day i just feel like more reform like I feel like we've all been saying it but there's more resources that need to happen for prisons and if you did do it as a juvenile let them get a resentence they did it as they were young they weren't right. they, they weren't mature enough you know what I mean yeah I agree with that and I also think there definitely should be like Beyondi mentioned some more changes as far as detective right. the caring aspect the humanity aspect of the job needs to be brought back you can't just be another check mark on a box or a piece of paper like next. So, but we do definitely thank you, Beyondi, for coming on again with us and, you know, talking about your story and what needs to change in, in, in the life that you're living, sadly. Um, but we do just want to thank you for that. More than welcome. Yeah, we definitely going to get you back on. So stay tuned for that one, bro. <laughs> All right, well, this was a great episode, and I definitely enjoyed speaking with Beyond. Right. It, was, it was good talking to him. Yeah. 
for sure. Sounds and good. This episode will be on YouTube, so yes. you can go ahead and check that out. You want to check the socials? You want me to do it? You can do it. You got it. Okay. Okay. Um, on Facebook, we are official Nameless Podcast. On Instagram, Nameless underscore podcast underscore. We drop all of our episodes on Facebook. The links to it. Check it out. And we do have something special coming up for the end of season three, but we're going to hold that. We're in, we, we might do like a live on Facebook coming yeah, up. Maybe. So if y'all haven't followed our Facebook again, you'll, you'll see. We'll you'll check see that soon. out. Yes. 100%. But, all right. Well, this is Alicia. And this is Sierra. And you are listening to the Nameless Podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, guys. All right. Peace out. Hey, what's up? Be the change hotline. We're closed right now. Leave a message, and I'll get back to you soon. Nameless? Hey, yo. Is this Nameless Podcast? I heard y'all was being the change. Guess I missed y'all. I'll see y'all later. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Where's that dust coming from? 
Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's EUFY.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best in class all in one robot vacuum for only $799. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.